0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank.
1: All right, this is the one. I can feel it. <clears throat> podcast, 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 the first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma Amateur Hour podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast. Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour?
2: Yeah, I ain't no superman businessman
1: like you. You know, I'm just an amateur, man, I suppose. Amateur hour. Is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour. Is what. happening. That's right, folks. The show is called Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall, and joining me today, Doctor Deep Dive himself, his Dirkness. So, I'm, you're telling me,
0: Dirk, you're the one driving this thing today? I'm driving. Don't let me drive. I've been deep diving all all week. Do not do not let that happen.
1: I thought you were typically safe behind the wheel, like a like a five star. Highly insured driver with a very great premium.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Only
1: the best. Only
0: the best. I, I thought we were here to talk Travis Kelce and Taylor Swift. We're talking that all hour,
1: correct? Um, I have you seen the rumors? I have heard that Travis is the next in a long line of, you know, <laughs> ex boyfriends. Sloppy 87. Uh, First, they say, <laughs> Ooh. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Um, if I'm Travis Kelsey, I I think that you know I wouldn't I wouldn't mind necessarily like being in the group of former boyfriends. Jake Gyllenhaal's on that list. Hated, I think he seems he seems like a decent dude. I don't know. What do I know?
0: Uh, no, it's I He's a very good looking man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I would like to be in that group. Sure. Okay. Okay. All right. You you want me to drive this? So we got to talk about chris jones because there has been an actual update um he is he reworked his deal um he may or may not get some more money um i don't really understand what the whole hubbub was about but uh it was something and it lasted a long time and it and it uh, talked about it well we didn't talk about it a lot but a lot of people talked about it a lot we talked about it a little um But uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, Chris Jones holdout coming to an end and apparently playing this week?
1: Um, I mean, I would think he'll probably be limited on Sunday. Um, He played the most snaps of any defensive lineman in the league last year, uh, missing a game and then having to kind of get into shape or real football shape and everything. Obviously, I think will prevent him from doing that again this year. I'm happy that he's here for now. Um I think that for probably most Chiefs fans they look at the situation and they say what was the point? Like what what did either party gain out of this other than maybe knowing with almost certainty that this is his last year in Kansas City. Is that the only thing that that either party actually gained is just the knowledge of what the the immediate present is and then you know the relatively near future as well
0: yeah i mean my, i i can only think of a very specific saved by the bell no drug say no to drug commercial when they come out Dumb, stupid crazy <laughs> dangerous i don't remember this commercial stinks it's like they're say no to drugs commercial it's it's the only thing i could think of it's, it just seemed idiotic from this i mean not from from the start i guess or from the end if that's the end point um so i mean he it this all seemed uh like it was driven by the cats brothers um and they really wanted to get their name out there uh these are two dudes with no other big clients in the nfl uh you notice how each press release mentioned the cats brothers Schefter's tweet mentioned it. Rappaport's tweet mentioned it. Brett Veach's statement mentioned mentioned it. Um, they're sitting next to him in Arrowhead Stadium up in the suite, which which seemed bizarre. Um, this just seemed like it was completely led by these two to try and get their name out there. Uh, you know, to try and be like the next super super agent, the next uh, Drew Rosenhaus. Uh, you know, who's out there with Torello and doing sit-ups to get his name out there. Um <laughs> and it really just seemed like an idiotic move from the start, and I think they got into Chris Jones' head, and he listened to them, and that's what steered all of this, and it just came to a crashing halt, and they tried to play it like they came out victorious, with, but here's the thing, they did not at all. Chris agent, Chris Jones and his agents lost big time. They they didn't win much here, a couple million dollars, and it's, it's all led by these two Katz brothers, who I refer to as... The Smelly Cats uh, from One Phoebe Buffet, Um, and that's that's, and yeah, I think your conclusion is correct that I don't see much chance of Chris Jones being back here in 2024. It just seems like he's going to play out this season, try and reach those incentives, try and drive up his value as much as he can. The Chiefs will tag him next year and look for a trade partner.
1: And I mean, ultimately, I think that even saying that, like they don't, they don't have any other, you know. Big clients on their roster, like even that is being generous. It seems like, if memory serves, every other client that the Cats brothers represent are former chiefs and none of note. Are they from Kansas City or something? I, I think their second biggest earner after Chris Jones is Demarcus Robinson. But I mean, they've got guys like Byron Pringle and you know the likes of maybe Garrick Dieter or something. And I'm not, I'm not even trying to throw shots at these guys, but it's like. It's it's literally Chris Jones and a bunch of his friends that he talked into signing with these guys. And so I I think if I'm Chris Jones, I am firing these guys. I am getting rid of them. And I am going and hiring someone like Drew Rosenhouse who who actually has a proven track record and say, Hey, Drew, can you do something similar to what you did for Tyreek? And you know, all of these other players on, on Rosenhaus' roster. I mean, this is the thing that I think a lot of people have maybe missed the mark on when we think about the Chiefs going through that negotiation with Tyreek and Rosenhaus and how quick they got it wrapped up and and traded Tyreek away. You know, as soon as they understood, like, how far apart they were, um, how the Devontae Adams contract was really throwing a wrench in the negotiations, they said, okay, cool. Where do you want to go? Rosenhaus worked it out and Tyreek was gone. Was it a few days into free agency? Sure. We didn't necessarily think that it was going to be something we needed to worry about. And suddenly they had to go sign Juju and MBS and they won a Super Bowl, so it's fine. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, this this whole thing just seems like amateur hour, I guess. <laughs> like, welcome to the show. Should we invite him on? Uh yeah, invite him on. They they kind of belong a little bit, right? Boy, we got the show for you guys. You'll untrained you'll right agents, you right? know. And
0: and they got professional shows where like Drew Rosenhaus goes on, and, you know, where he actually makes his clients more money when they do stuff like this. That's kind of the goal here. Um, but yeah, just a just to, and if they would have done this, if they would have gone through all of this back in March or April, similar to Tyreek, then I think there would have been a much different ending. Because they would have realized how far apart they were, and they would have, you know, had they could have traded them at that point. I mean, it would have been weird coming off a Super Bowl and making that kind of move. Like Tyreek's coming off at least like a uh, an AFC championship loss, which is very successful, obviously, but not a Super Bowl win. Uh trading on your best players coming off that would be weird. Uh, so maybe that played a part in it. But they reached a point where neither of the sides could really do much else here because the chiefs need chris jones to complete their pass rush this year there's no nothing they can do right now to trade him and get value that's going to help them this year and anywhere close to what chris jones is going to help them like you can trade for draft picks and that helps you in the future but that really submarines your season this year and chris jones has to report and he's playing the week a card but you're going to be sacrificing 10 million dollars to do that and you're not going to make up that $10 million with, with whatever money you're holding out for. So really, both sides just realize that they're you know in an impasse here. And I think, uh, I was listening to uh, our guy, uh, Seth Kaiser, yesterday, and it's kind of like one of these court cases, obviously it was a court case, where nobody wins except the lawyers. Like, like both sides, one side may win or they come to a plea deal or whatever, but really the only people that win here are the lawyers because they're the two that are cashing in. And it really just feels like both sides kind of lost here, even though
1: the Chiefs majorly won. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately, like, let's be clear. The fact that Chris Jones is, it seems like, heading toward being traded. I can't imagine the Chiefs would just let him walk, even if it gets tricky with having a franchise tag him and afford that tag right at the beginning of the league year to be able to turn around and trade however it works. I don't know, with the money and stuff. Regardless, the Chiefs are not going to get value for Chris Jones, period. I think the Cats brothers saw to that, that the Chiefs aren't even going to get peak value out of the trade because, as you mentioned, even though it was coming off a of Super Bowl and it would have been weird timing, it would have been the best time for the Chiefs to try to capitalize on his value because he just had the best season of his career. And now he's missed a game, he wasn't in camp, there's all these different things. I mean, and we could just boil it down to money. And there are going to be other owners that are excited, thrilled even, to pay him. Not just the contract, but whatever compensation that the Chiefs get. And here's the thing. If you're sitting back, holding your breath, thinking that the Chiefs are even going to be able to like, like get a late first for him, no. The best thing that the Chiefs can probably do with Chris Jones as capital is see if they can get somebody in the, like, just outside the top 10 or, like, the middle of the round to swap firsts with them so that they get all the way up and, and can get a more premier player um in the early stages or middle of the first round. I don't think that even just, like, taking a second-round pick and a conditional third or fourth or whatever for Chris Jones, ultimately, I don't think that that necessarily serves the Chiefs' best interests, even if they're not going to give him a contract. I mean, I, I, I think that no matter what, I don't see Chris Jones signing a contract here. And I think that the Chiefs are getting the short end of the stick as far as what he's actually worth on the field versus what he's going to be worth in in trade compensation. And yeah,
0: part of that, I mean, the value is, I mean, we're a long ways off from this, but they trade, um, I mean, at first I was thinking like a first round pick and then some. And then I just, yeah, I kind of started thinking about it. He's going to be over 30 years old. He's going to be commanding or asking for thirty million dollars a year, depending on what happens this year. Um, and yeah, it's, I started kind of wondering what that value would be. And man, anything less than a first round pick would, well, like, yeah, like this is just a taking taking an L kind of thing. Um, but I'm not sure what you do. I mean, maybe they can repair this thing and find a middle point and and repair this after last after this year after time goes by. But yeah, that that was my immediate first thought was like, man, there's, they did all of this and then all they did was just rework a one-year deal. Like they didn't add any years. They didn't stick with this original deal. It's just like, felt like this is the very end. Um, and it's, and it's just, um, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it, it sucks to see and it sucks that this had to drag out like this. Uh, I mean, especially when you got guys on the other side of the ball, like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey that are. Constantly asked about their contracts now with new people signing, and asked about how they're not at the top of their position, and how they kind of defer and just like, well, we're here for the team, and and you know we we're fine with our value, and we look at our legacy here in Kansas City as as number one on our priority list.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I do think that in some ways, Chris Jones has alienated himself from just like the average fan. You're gonna hear that talking point from a lot of people, like, oh, he's so greedy, he already makes all this money. You know, look at Pat, look at Travis, whatever. Um, I don't want to begrudge the man for wanting a raise, but I just don't understand why if the Chiefs had an offer on the table from our guy, Nick Wright, reporting real numbers, and I I just trust that it's sourced and it's something that we don't have to worry about. And he says it's a two-year-old 55 million or whatever and it's like why would you not just take the fully guaranteed 55 million dollars over the next two years like it's a a really good deal for him but I don't know the Bosa thing kind of really threw a wrench in there and actually a break is about to throw a wrench in my point so look I didn't tell you Dirk I actually went and took a tour of one of the boys and girls clubs close to uh, where I work Uh, I, I went there like last week, got to walk around uh, and, you know, they got a lot of really cool stuff going on inside of this building. A lot of hands on learning. They've got like a 3D printer in there, this big maker space for kids to be able to do stuff after school. Um, and, you know, they're giving kids meals um, so that they get a dinner while they're kind of waiting for their folks to be able to, to come and get them. And a lot of programs and stuff to be able to help them both academically um, and and really just kind of trying to develop good people in there. Um, and look, folks, the Boys and Girls Clubs aren't just doing this type of like after-school programming. Um, did you know that the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City actually has sports programs for local kids too? Beyond that after-school programming, the clubs offer leagues for baseball, softball, basketball, flag football, and more. So search for volunteer opportunities on helpkckids.org. Uh, Do a solid supporting local kids and, you know, our partner for this year.
2: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on
0: the
1: App Store, or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
0: It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360 degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to wrap your team's colors. Find tickets today at ticketmaster.com/slash Chiefs. What, what the hell, Nick? Our producer just cuts me off. I'm trying to talk up the Boys and Girls Club, and they got cheated. That one's on Nick, and we're going to have words with him after this podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold out from this podcast is what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what. Um, But yeah, Boys and Girls Club. All right, with, with, back to Chris Jones. I just want to know his image at this point, both from a fan perspective and walking back into that locker room. Do you think there's any ill will held in that locker room that kind of looks at him like, man, why the hell were you here in week one? Um, and then a separate question: do you view Chris Jones any differently than you did, say, nine months ago?
1: Um I don't I mean, honestly, I think it's just a really stupid decision. And I don't I don't know if that necessarily means that I view him differently. Um the fact that he got here way before week eight, I think, is a good thing. Um To me, what this... Yeah, expectation's what, low, didn't he? You're right. <laughs> what this feels like to me is that Chris Jones sat in that suite. He had gave that weird press conference in front of the Ronald McDonald house, which does great things, mind you. There are no Boys and Girls Clubs, but shout out to the Ronald McDonald house, too. with With the smelly cats right next to him, might I say. I just... I think the- they've been
0: apart. Have they been apart for one second since since this started? Are they sleeping next to each other?
1: They're 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 very close. Um I I guess the way that I look at the situation is Chris probably allows this to play out. He's trying to trust them and empower them through this whole process. You know, every time a guy talks about the business side of football, they say, I let my agents handle that. And I think that finally what we saw, if I want to give Chris Jones some credit here, is that he stepped in and said, you guys aren't, like, this isn't working. I just missed a game. I just watched my guys go out there and lose a game that, don't get me wrong, the defense didn't play poorly, but if I'm out there, like, we, we probably win. And what what is this helping in terms of my contract? Like, just get me on the field, man. I mean, most of these guys, they are died in the wool football players. And so I i don't necessarily think that my opinion of him has changed apart from just the way that I view that, like, this is his last season. That is the update for me on Chris Jones. But, I mean, when you ask about the guys in the locker room, dude, that's tricky because, don't get me wrong, it's the first week of the year. You know, there's a bunch of, like, potential baked-in excuses here. They lost a the game that he chose to just sit up in the suite. Like, I don't know that anybody's going to be, like, truly confrontational with him, but I think that most of them are probably sitting there thinking, like, man, you didn't come to camp with us. You didn't do all that work with us. You sat there and watched us lose a game, and then you got a little bit more money, but it's clear, like, you're not going to be here next year either. Like, how down for this are you? And and I mean I don't know it's a high stakes game that I'm certainly not a part of I'm just out here on the the outskirts you know but I I wouldn't be surprised if there are guys that are feeling away and maybe like in the group chats that Chris isn't in have some things to say <laughs> yeah that's, pure I mean, speculation but you know. oh you're not in those group chats I'm not no I'm
0: uh, we can we can get on that um, yeah it is a weird thing I mean we were just ready to put chris jones in like the pantheon of like all-time chiefs greats i mean after that afc championship after that super bowl it was just like i i listened to our show before the season and like we were just on cloud nine talking about chris jones and how he took it as he took it so personal and made it a mission to dominate all season long and get back to that point and not make the same mistake that he did the year before and then he did it and it was just like this poetic journey that lasted the entire season and we just watched it play out and it was incredible and you know it's i mean it's right in the aftermath right now so it's so it's fresh but it doesn't i mean i don't hold them in that same regard right now uh i mean obviously if we go win another super bowl this year this will i think quickly be forgotten uh so i mean i think time will will tell on this and it's and it's kind of tough to say right now but that image of him sitting in in you know the suite at Arrowhead Stadium, watching that game is kind of burned in my my memory right now. And it's just kind of a weird, a weird image and, and one that I don't really like. Um, so, and and that's really all I got on the Chris Jones situation. You got you got any final thoughts on it? Now nah, nah, let's move on. What, what, oh, I'm steering this. You shouldn't <laughs> let me drive. Uh, I wanted to expand on an idea here that we touched on last week's show, and that was kind of that the wide receivers, uh, there was almost kind of too many cooks in the kitchen and they had these seven wide receivers and they were all active in the game uh, and they were all getting snaps and they were all getting a target Um and it led to maybe like the sloppiest receiver game we've seen from this team, fuck, I don't know, in the Andy Reid era, like I mean it's tough to say how far back, but it was just weird how, I mean, the drops were one thing, uh, but then just the sloppy play overall, running routes wrong, receivers being in the same spot, uh, just nothing seemed to be clicking. Uh, and so an idea that I floated was like, maybe they got to shorten this up uh, and trim that wide receiver room down a little and maybe not play all seven of these guys and you know put some of these guys on ice for now until they get these, this ironed out. Um, but we didn't really expand on what that would look like in terms of who we want to see get those snaps. Um, I asked you this a couple days ago. I'm still struggling with the answer myself, so I mean, I don't really have a great answer here because all seven guys kind of bring something to the table that you like. Um, so what direction would you like to see them go with the wide receiver room, or do you, think, do, you, do you not see this as a problem and you just keep playing all seven?
1: I don't know how much of a problem it is right now. Um, early in the season, when you're trying to figure out what you've got, I think that mix, mixing and matching them and trying to find out their strengths and their weaknesses, uh, particularly against full speed, you know, NFL competition, uh, I, I think that they can maybe take a little time here with this group of seven. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, when when I look at this situation, like the first guy based on Thursday night's game, the first guy that jumps out um, is going to be the exact same guy that they talked about on the lab last night. It's Rasheed Rice. Um, He had, in my estimation, the best game of he and Sky Moore's careers. Um, Don't get me wrong, Sky Moore had a nice punt return redemption in the Super Bowl and also scored a touchdown on a play that apparently he lined up wrong, um, which is like, Kind of funny because he lined up wrong, but was also so wide open that he maybe made the right decision. Um, and I in any case, I think that I see something in Rasheed Rice that reminds me of one of my all-time favorite chiefs in Dwayne Bow. And and it's in good and bad ways. I think he knows how to use his body. I think that he's got great acceleration. I think he has really good explosion. He will make. Catches that seem impossible look routine, and routine catches uh, look impossible. You know, there's there's a lot of similarities in there. I'm I've actually been trying to think about like, if I want to make this comparison, do I have to start calling him like Rashi Rice Bow? Um, you know, he's like like a, a bow of rice Rice Bow. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, Rasheed Rice Bow. Like uh, like at your favorite local, you know, Taco Bell, a, a nice uh, rice bowl. Another another food nickname to add to this offense. Andy oh,
0: yeah. would love our 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 full menu here that we have to offer, a cheesecake factory
1: size menu of Chiefs player nicknames. Uh, Rasheed Rice jumps out to me as a guy that if I can have him go out, recover from a drop, score a touchdown, show me some things. Um, in his first game on national TV, uh, that's a guy I want to prioritize because if we're talking about like the, I think the real core of that receiver room in terms of what we're hoping for, it's the four young guys in there, truly young guys, I guess. Um, which is Rashi Rice and Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. Um, and then ultimately I think a lot of people are pulling for Justin Ross Um, And so those are the four guys that, to me, I want to see them develop. I want them to have the chances to develop. I want them to get the snaps to develop. Does that necessarily mean it's the best thing for this year? Probably not. Because guys like Justin Watson and MBS and Richie James, I think, are probably more consistent and more reliable than any of those four young guys. Um, So it kind of depends. It's like, pick your poison here. And unfortunately, uh, with us not actually being employees of the Chiefs, we, there's a lot that we don't know about their practice habits or their study habits or how often they're lining up in the right or wrong spot or running the route at the right or wrong depth or knowing the play call. There's all these different factors that go into it that like, well, if Justin Ross can't line up correctly and he's had these injuries – then he should maybe be the inactive guy more often than not. Maybe he is your wide receiver seven and you don't necessarily have him act him on game day. You're still just kind of easing him into the action or something. But I don't know those things. If we're talking about pure skill set, I mean, I would still probably point to, I I don't know, I, I, I think that Justin Watson feels a little redundant in comparison to guys like Justin Ross and Rasheed Rice, and even MVS in that way. Um, Richie James is a guy that maybe some people would want to sit down, but I think that he is probably the fastest guy in that room. I guess, maybe how about this, the quickest guy in that room. Um, And I think that when it comes to like some of the... You know, in, in the rounds and running a guy back and forth across the formation and doing some drag routes and things like that. Like, I think that Richie James can be a weapon for them in that way and fill a role that is now vacated by Tyreek Hill and McCole Hart.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also think they kind of did, they gave a jet sweep to Skymore. Uh, and they kind of did a little bit of that last year. Um, they can do that with Tony as well. And obviously with Rashid Rice, but he's more comfortable taking it from Blake Bell, obviously. Um, really
1: good rapport between those two
0: so yeah I think they have a, a plethora of guys who can you know kind of take that role So they have options there um, but yeah I, I'm kind of looking at it the same way as you where you know right now you might want to go with the guys that you trust the most just because of how sloppy it was last week and with that I'm looking at names like MVS and Justin Watson and then either Sky Moore or Richie James I guess um and but but that walks a fine line because we talk about this being a January team, and so we want this team to be at its best in January, and that would mean getting your most skilled players ready for January, and that would mean you're looking at Kadarius Tony, uh, Rasheed Rice, MVS or more, or maybe even Ross in there. Uh, like the, I don't know, there's a lot of talent. So that's, that's kind of tough, but. You know, if you, if you throw all those guys out right now, like maybe you don't know what you're going to get when you're kind of staring down 0-2 right now. you got a tough game coming up, and it's not necessarily time to, you know, maybe start working on the guys. So I think I would say I would lean towards the more trusted guys right now. I would go, I would lean on MVS, I would lean on Watson, and then I think they're kind of set on Sky more. With how many snaps he played last game, I don't know if we see a demotion quite yet. I mean... I want to give him more chances. These chances will run out. I mean, if he doesn't start producing, they're going to start running out here soon. Um, I'm not to that point yet, but I would lean on who you trust the most right now. And, you know, that kind of goes with everybody. That kind of goes with Andy. That kind of goes with Pat. like, okay, who do you trust to be in spots, you know? Uh, Who do you trust to to lead this, to work this offense with? Um, And We're going to lean on those guys right now. And then maybe as the season goes on, and you know, you're sitting there at like five and two or seven and three, something more comfortable, and you're like, okay, now we're making we're starting gearing up for January, and you really want to get your guys like Kadarius Tony and Rasheed Rice more involved. Although Rasheed Rice may, might just he might just zoom up this depth chart and start, you know, taking over and filling up a spot from 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 the get-go here. Um, it's it's just a really tough question because I I mean you have like seven wide receiver three and wide receiver fours here like they all feel very equal uh and so maybe they start to shake them those out themselves and you like people just kind of rise up to the crop like rishi rice or maybe they don't and you just have to you know cut a line in the sand here and be like justin ross you know we like your talent we like what you bring here but we just don't have the snaps right now to give you so we're going to lean on these guys, and you're just kind of going to ride the bench here, and and you know wait maybe wait till next year to really break out here. Uh, so it's a really interesting divide there, debate between where you want to go. But I do think that they shorten the room this week, and we see maybe one of them inactive, and then one of them you know hardly play and not get many many targets out there.
1: It's possible, and I actually I got a question about Kadarius Tony, but first. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? It's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. So get in on the NFL Week 2 Action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. If you don't use that code, folks, Dirk's coming after you. All right, new customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with that code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, see sportsbook dot com, sportsbook. dot dot com slash football terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. and Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Wow! Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network.
0: Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search
1: KC Sports Network. So, question about Kadarius Toney. Is this a guy that even though, I mean, one of you, please, while I riff here, find me his age. Because I know that Kadarius Toney is a first-round draft pick. I know that the Chiefs gave up a third-rounder for him. You know, a top 100 pick, it's kind of a premium asset, so to speak. At least a day-two pick, something that the Chiefs need to value. And I know that he's 24. That's Thank you. To Nick. I'm sure Dirk had it too. Which yeah, one do you yeah. actually think you got it first? Well,
0: he typed it. I didn't do anything. So
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. So next time, type it, man. Um, so I was look, gonna sign it. Uh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, so look, Rigatoni Cadarius, 24 years old. The Chiefs still have control of him for this season and next, and if they choose a fifth-year option. And so this is a guy that I think, and in, in certainly in Brett Veach's case um, in Andy Reid's case and just the Chiefs organization, they hope that his best football and, you know, the majority of his football playing career is still ahead of him. But let me ask you this, Dirk. You, not the Chiefs, you. Do you think that this is a guy that's actually going to develop, that he's going to be something for this team other than just like an additional weapon that shows up sometimes? Because that is precisely the way that I think of him. I don't see him as a wide receiver and I don't see him as a long-term solution at that position. And so when we think about how we use these snaps, I think of him like he might as well just be like the the running back three. All right. Like not necessarily lining up at running back, but like a guy that I'll give five or 10 snaps a game. Um, and he's electric, but I don't think I just, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very very down on Kadarius Tony and it literally has nothing to do with the drops and that performance on Thursday it's it doesn't I mean you can no it doesn't like I just w- run a route Kadarius run a real wide receiver route for me and don't be a clerk when no one is touching you just because you cut too hard or something like that just I just don't I I see the electricity that people like, but he is not polished. At all, and I just don't know that he's gonna develop, man. I don't see it. I don't see it. Hopefully, Kadarius
0: isn't listening. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Hopefully, he is, and he, he kind of gets the yeah. um, idea. It, it was interesting that he like he wasn't on Twitter anymore, but then he popped up on Instagram to uh, clown the uh, Giants when they were getting beat up. Um, it, it is an interesting question, I and mean, maybe he is, is just like purely like a gadget guy, uh, almost like a like a Tavon Austin kind of comes to mind where he's I'm never people have said, like a prototypical receiver. Um, and he's just going to, he's just going to be this explosive guy and you kind of get the ball in his hands. I mean, think about, he didn't have many snaps in this game, but he had a lot of targets, which, which is kind of the way they used him last year. I mean, he's not out there, you know, kind of clearing space and, and doing these, doing the dirty work, you, you could say. Um, but when he gets the ball in his hands, he makes it worth it. Uh, and he certainly did last year. I mean, he's, he's explosive. I don't, he didn't seem quite as explosive this week, this year. Um, I mean, that maybe that's coming off the injury or maybe he just didn't have the ball in space whatsoever because he never caught it. Um, so maybe that was a problem. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I think he might be right that he's not going to be running traditional wide receiver routes. Like, I don't know if he's going to run a 15-yard dig route. Um, and so he's just going to use them in spots, uh, which is fine. I mean... It's not us that spent a first-round pick on him. We, we spent a third-round pick on him. So if you're getting that kind of production from a third-round pick, that's fine, especially if he's producing like that. Um, so, yeah, I think he might be right. And the, the long-term way is an interesting way to look at it, just with the guys that are going to be here moving forward, because MVS, Watson, and Richie, you know, there's a good chance that all these guys, this is their last year here, when you're really moving forward with Kadarius and Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross um, and so maybe you look towards the future and, and and just start leaning into those guys hard I mean if there's nothing that's going to separate them you might as well pick the guys that are going to be here the longest kind of thing um, so I, I don't know that's, that's it's a very tough question a very loaded question to sort out this wide receiver room um, I'm sure it's a big uh, topic to discuss I'm sure Andy's thinking on it and it'll be interesting to see just everything that happens in week two in terms of snaps in terms of targets in terms of what direction they move with their receivers coming off that embarrassing showing from them and how much better they look with what we assume is Travis Kelsey back on the field. Because I still don't think that this wide receiver room is too much worse than last year's. Uh, especially when you McCall Hardman registers zero snaps for the jets last night, a healthy, uh, he's active. He just never got on the field and he's playing behind, behind guys like Randall Cobb. Um, so it's not like McColl Hardman made a huge difference. So maybe you just think Juju Smith-Schuster was that big a difference maker. And if you really think that they're missing a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, then you go out and make a move during this season. Because there are Juju Smith-Schusters to be had in the league. I mean, he's, what, the 30th to 40th best receiver in this league. I mean, he's a veteran that you can count on. And they went to him in big moments last year, so I get that. But there are guys like that that can be had. I mean, wait for a team like... Tampa Bay to fall apart and you go get like a Chris Godwin kind of thing like there there are guys out there like that if you want them bad enough and if you see that's the biggest obstacle between you and repeating a Super Bowl champions then send a third round pick to go get another guy like that and and the good thing is that Beach has shown every willingness to go make a move like that uh, and and you know spice up the room if that's what he thinks we need for this season to to compete for another Super Bowl
1: Um, how about this By the time Rigatoni Kadarius is no longer a Chief, I think that he will have, like, fewer yards, fewer catches, fewer touchdowns, certainly much less of an impact than the guy you just mentioned, McCole Hardman. Better Chiefs career, McCole Hardman or Kadarius Tony, when the dust clears. It's interesting.
0: I mean, it's a good comparison. I mean, it's wild that they had both of them on the team last year, although they really only... Was it the Super Bowl when they were like the first? They were sharing the field for the first time, and then, like then one of them got. Oh, it was the SEC championship, and they shared the field for the first time, and then one of them got hurt like immediately. It lasted like two snaps. Like they cannot coexist. They're two similar
1: guys. Uh, I do want to give you a little uh, tip of the cap there, Dirk. Uh, the Legion of Whom tweet. Uh, looking at the the like picture of the Chiefs wide receivers, and they're all doing their thing. Before the Lions game, uh, in which they did not do much of anything. Um, Legion of Whom. Nice pun. I loved it. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, I think we kind of want to expand a little bit. Maybe do you want to look at Chiefs Jags or week one stuff first. Um, let me first, an interesting
0: Mahomes stat that I want to get in here. I saw today from, uh, Scott Cashmere. um. Mahomes' time to throw versus the Lions, three point two eight seconds. In Mahomes' career, when he's throwing at less than two point nine seconds or two point nine seconds or less, basically fewer than three, he's forty-seven and four. So when Mahomes gets the ball out quickly, on a game-by-game basis, he's won at forty-seven and four. When it's above three seconds, it's fourteen and eleven. So you can kind of get a sense for when, like Mahomes might be struggling a little bit, or maybe the offense is struggling a little bit. I don't think Mahomes had his best game in this game. I mean, obviously, it's hard to gauge with all the drops. Um, but you can tell when things aren't going right, it's usually when Mahomes is holding onto the ball. And, and you know, that AFC Championship game, the second-half meltdown is the first thing that comes to mind there, obviously, when he's holding the ball forever. Um, so just, just I thought that was a really interesting stat that we, we didn't really touch on. Uh, but just something to watch going forward if Mahomes is getting out the ball quickly and in rhythm, this offense and this team is nearly unbeatable.
1: Yeah, I mean, they certainly didn't look crisp in that week one game, and in some instances, you know, Andy Reid's still in the Andy Reid thing. Hey, I maybe I shouldn't have thrown Kadarius out there. He's obviously rusty. Hadn't been here for all of camp. Maybe I leaned on him too much. It's my fault. Uh, and, and I mean, that's prototypical Andy. I don't even think he's wrong in this sense. I, I don't think he's even, like, trying to be the bulletproof vest it's true that he probably shouldn't have put him out there oh um, come on he,
0: he totally is and this is why people this is why players love playing for andy reed because it's something like being on the field and dropping a ball that literally has nothing to do with andy reed and yet he's still up at the podium taking the blame for that and you know he can do that because he's his job security is rock solid and all that but players love that i mean they want to come and play for andy reed because they know he's going to have their back at all times. Uh, I mean, I, I thought that was just a perfect encapsulation of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that we've we've seen the people that are able to give the time and energy to all twenty-two and show you where different miscommunications happen and guys bumping into each other and a guy maybe running the wrong route because of where you know two players end up at the end of their route. They're not spaced out enough. It's drawing too many defenders. Mahomes doesn't know where to put the ball. There's a lot of different mistakes that are going on there. Um, and that's, I think, the strangest part. Still, you know, here we are five, six days later. It, it's it's very odd to see an Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes-led offense not look at their best in week one. I mean, it's yeah, something we've yeah. never seen before. And really, wow, well, and- well, we did see it one time, the old red wedding of 2014. Mm-hmm. The Titans. Yeah. <laughs> Who could forget? Um, I mean, I could. Maybe like, <laughs> one too many deep dives. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I I like that the Chiefs really kind of have nowhere to go but up offensively, and we know Andy Reid's mo. Like early stages of that game, Andy's gonna make a point to, you know get Tony involved, get Sky more involved, build that confidence back up. I mean, those are probably the first two plays in Andy's first 15 is, you know, quick little dots, get the ball in Tony's hands, get the ball in Sky's hands. You know, they they make that basketball analogy. Sometimes you just got to see it go through the net. Sometimes you just got to see it actually land in your hands, you know? Um, and so that that would be a great start uh, for two guys that didn't have a catch, did not register a catch in the first game of the season. Let's talk a little bit about the
0: NFL and just in terms of did anything that you saw, you know, the rest of week one, did it make you feel any better or any worse about how the Chiefs performed? Anything that stood out, um, you know, as it relates to the NFL or as it relates to the Chiefs and their loss and coming off that playing the Jags next week.
1: I I really think that the weekend slate um, and ultimately really coming to a head uh, with Josh Allen's performance on Monday night, coupled with the Aaron Rodgers injury, uh, you know, an AFC opponent, I think uh, not only that the chiefs are playing in week four, but it's going to be a team that's, you know, potentially posturing for playoff position. They're probably off the map now. I mean, they called Chad Henney, like, (laughs) But look, look, I love Chad. All right. Like, but not because I need him to be on the field for a full season. And maybe they're just trying to bring him in to, you know, help rein in Zach Wilson. It's Zach's team and everything else. But, well, could you imagine that Jets defense, though, with Chad Hinney as their defensive coordinator going against the Chiefs? He knows
0: all our secrets. Yeah.
1: Like, that would work. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I I liked, seeing some of our toughest opponents look as bad as they did because ultimately what it did I think for I hope a lot of Chiefs fans just just go look at some box scores. Just go see how bad some of these teams played. Joe Burrow had less than a hundred yards passing in week one. You see some of this stuff and you're like man the Chiefs had no Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey and you know Kind of lost in like a fluky way. Like I'm all right. I guess I I don't we don't have nearly as much to worry about as some of these key opponents. So I think you know, I mean, we we got the
0: tiebreaker right now because we have a better excuse than than most of the other teams. So I think yeah. you know a lot of us, a lot of the AFC powers are 0 and 1, but our tiebreaker right now puts them ahead of them because our excuses
1: are better. That I think that's actually the first tiebreaker, isn't it? Better yeah. excuses. Yeah, so that was an update that was in the fine print of the last CBA, uh, where the players also lost the ability to hold out or recoup the fines from holding out. It they just overlooked in. the fact that bragging rights or excuses was really starting to play into these tiebreakers.
0: Uh, so I, I mean, I was kind of looking at. It doesn't change for me about like the actual Chiefs team because I wasn't really worried in the slightest bit, even right after the game. No, um, no. but That's you know, for a minute, like like, uh, but it does, I mean, change their path in the AFC when you look at Cincinnati losing, Buffalo losing, the Chargers losing, and the Jets dropping out of the race. Like, I mean, obviously those are the top competitors in the AFC. Um, and so, you know, some of those B teams, I mean, the Ravens won in convincing fashion, I guess, but they didn't look great. Um, Miami looked really good. Um, so, you know, keep an eye on them kind of thing. Browns might have a dominating defense or maybe that was just a rain fest. Uh, Deshaun Watson still looked like shit, uh, so it was kind of interesting. It was, it was. There were some interesting league-wide stats. It was the lowest lowest passing yard totals in Week One since two thousand six. Oh, uh, yeah. You think everything's just steering towards more and more passing, more and more? It was the lowest passing yard totals since Week One two thousand six. There was eleven quarterbacks under thirty quarterback rating or QBR, excuse me, um, which is more than the last two years Week Ones combined. So there was 11 quarterbacks under 30 this year. The last two week ones combined, there's only 10. Um, So just a lot of shitty quarterback play out there. It was basically the Miami and Chargers game and then everybody else. And nobody really looked good, which was kind of weird. I mean, there was lots of weather, I guess, going on on the East Coast. So maybe that plays into it. Uh, But just an interesting week one overall. Um, I'm not sure too much else really stood out. I mean, the the Bengals is probably the, the lead story. I didn't really see them get talked about that much. Like I guess people trust them. Um, and it's it's a lot of like, hey, they did this last year, so they're guaranteed to come back from it again this year, which I think is a little bit dangerous. Um, because they looked really bad. I mean, 80 yards passing, and it was it, it was just I mean, both teams in that, though the the first half was just like, it was gross to watch like both offenses just looked completely dreadful um so interesting to keep an eye on the Bengals. obviously josh allen he was probably the lead story today um just with those his turnovers going nuts uh and which is nothing new but you know obvious just just listen to nick right on that i guess just let him take that away uh but those are, i mean those are the top two quarterbacks Those are who we've been battling with non-stop here um so an interesting scene around the afc whereas you know the the I would say that the team that looked the best by far was the 49ers, uh, and they were in the NFC. Even the Eagles, they won, but that was not a convincing win for them either. Uh, so just a lot of meh uh, across the league in Week 1, uh, which is probably normal with how many teams sit their players in, in the preseason now. It's just kind of, it's almost like a warm-up game. Um, and usually the Chiefs are are one of the teams that's above that, and yet they fell into it themselves
1: this year. So, let's say... Biggest surprise on the bad side. What's the team that jumps out to you that you really didn't think was going to play as poorly as they did? Is it the Bengals or I mean, the Bills, or is it some other team, and you just know that, like, sometimes, you know, stuff happens?
0: I'll go off the board and say Steelers, because everybody had the Steelers making the playoffs this year. They were
1: everybody's surprise team, and they just got their shits canned from the very beginning. Um, I, I personally will go off the board as well. And to me, it's Minnesota because they're playing Tampa, who I guess they still have some very respectable pieces on defense, but like, I have not given Tampa any thought the entire offseason because their quarterback room is led by Baker Mayfield. I'm like, I can't take this team seriously. And for Minnesota to not only lose to that team, but Kirk has three turnovers, two of them in really critical positions uh, I think Minnesota is better than that um, and I thought that was a really disappointing loss for the Vikings
0: biggest surprise in a good way um, I'll go with the Dolphins uh, just I thought their offense kind of got figured out as last year went on uh, there's kind of some tape there's kind of a, a theory that like the uh, Chargers and I think the 49ers kind of put some tape on like how to stop the the Dolphins offense and then they found themselves playing the Chargers in week one here and the Chargers did not stop the Miami offense. Um, And they they went off in a big way. They looked fun, like they did at the beginning of last year. again. So I thought Miami was very surprising in a good way.
1: Uh, I'll cheat on the biggest good surprise, because I was looking and looking and looking, and ultimately I just landed on the Chiefs. Hey, biggest good surprise, that the loss, not that bad. That's the biggest good surprise. Whoa, well, What I could come up with, man. I was looking at it and I'm like, who who surprised me in a good way this week? And I said, nah, the the Chiefs. I was very surprised that losing to the Lions is not as bad as it seems. Let's 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 change
0: path. Let's go with a little preview here. Cause we got a big game this week. Uh we got about ten minutes left in this show here, and I want to talk about it. Um the Chiefs versus Jags coming up. Uh, I thought the Jags, Trevor Lawrence looked really good. Um, I had Trevor Lawrence winning NFL MVP this year. Uh, I just thought he takes, I think it's always like a quarterback who takes like a leap. That's who they're always looking for for MVP. There's always kind of like a storyline push behind it. And Trevor Lawrence just taking that push. Um, He's got Calvin Ridley to throw to now. I love the other weapons in his game. Um, I love Doug Peterson, a coach. So I just very high on the Jaguars. Um, That game was really close for a while. There's kind of a fluke play uh, with that fumble return, touchdown, weird play. Um, but other than that, their offense was clicking. Um, and they got ETN, who looked great. Uh, they got that backup, uh, Big B, Bixby, Bugs Bugs Bunny, Bigs Bugs but something like that. Um, but uh, wh- I don't know, where are you th- looking at for Chiefs Jackson? I mean, we got to go down to Jacksonville. It's probably going to be hot as fuck. Um, I, that's the official weather report that I got. Um, and so. I guess I would say this. My main takeaway is, if you believe in the Jags, um, is it too early to say that home field advantage might kind of sort of be on the line here? I mean, because if you lose this one, now you're two games behind the Jags, um, and you have the tiebreaker going their way, despite the excuses. Um, So that kind of puts us two and a half games behind the Jags, if you believe them. I know we did this with Buffalo early in the season, like either last year or two years ago, probably. And we still came back and got home field advantage. Uh, so, but, but we have to talk about something. Um, and that's kind of my take that it's going to be hard to get home field advantage. If you lose this game.
1: I don't disagree. Um, another advantage kind of playing in Jacksonville's favor is their division. There's a rookie quarterback in Houston, a rookie quarterback in Indy and Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Um, The AFC South is still and has perpetually been for the better part of 20, 25 years now. They're just bad. You get one team, you know, Peyton's Colts in there for a long time, and that's about it. Um, I'll say this. Something I found very interesting, very interesting about the Jags in week one listening to a little fantasy pod, and they said that Christian Kirk only saw the field when the Jags went to three wide. Never saw a snap when they were in what would essentially be a base offense of one or two wide receivers. Uh, So Calvin Ridley has very clearly stepped in and taken over the wide receiver one role, but his complement is in Jacksonville getting those base down snaps is Zay Jones. And Zay Jones had a nice year last year, and really had a nice year two years ago for the Raiders before he signed in Jacksonville. Um, Nice player, and probably a little bit more of a classic, you know, what do they call them, the X, the bigger guy that can kind of run the in-breaking routes, go over the middle, block some guys in the run game. He does a lot of that stuff, and Christian Kirk does not. But, man... Christian Kirk, all that money, all the stuff that people talked about with the contract, and this guy is only playing when they go to three wide receivers? Um, Limiting the snaps that he's getting unless they're playing in three wide all the time? Uh, I don't necessarily know if Doug Peterson's going to call it that way. I mean, coming from Andy Reid, two, three tight ends has been the business for a long time. So that's an interesting thing to watch. Um, if, If Christian Kirk, a guy who, at least in that first game, Really lit the Chiefs up. If he's not getting that much time on the field, I think that that plays right in the Chiefs' favor,
0: guys. Yeah, and he only had a catch for nine yards in that game. And I do remember him tearing us up quite a bit. He was given uh, logerius steed some fins. Yeah, yeah. Um, in was a bad
1: matchup. It was at the regular season game. It was the regular uh, was season game, yes, I believe. Okay, I, I he may have worry. been good in the playoff game too, but I know in the regular season game he tore us up. It was bad. I wonder if we see more McDuffie on
0: him, who I think saw almost all of the slot snaps this week, and he was kind of on Amon Ra quite a bit. And the nerds say he did a pretty bang-up job. Uh, So Kirk went 7 for 52 against us in the playoffs last year. He went 9 for 105 and 2 touchdowns against us in the regular season. Uh, So a decent game in the playoffs, but went off in the regular season game. Um, So yeah, that is something interesting to keep an eye on. On the other side of the ball... They had Josh Allen, the good Josh Allen, have three sacks in the game. Uh, and they also had Trayvon Walker, the first first overall pick last year, he registered a sack. Um, and the offensive line is not something that we've really touched on in either one of our podcasts. Um, I mean, real quick, I thought Donovan Smith held his own. I thought he had a really good game. Who people were worried about uh, until that holding on the last drive, which which really hurt him. But outside of that, I thought Donovan Smith did a bang up job. Jawan Taylor, I mean, he was a big topic, obviously, uh, but I think he more than held his own going against uh, Hutchinson for most of that game, whereas I think a lot of people thought that he really struggled because they saw Hutchinson get so many pressures, but I think a lot of those pressures came inside against Trey Smith. Uh, I mean, I can remember at least three where he's lined up over the guard and just kind of interestingly beats uh, Trey Smith around the edge, almost because Jawan Taylor is lined up so off. To the right, and so back, it kind of opened up this going around the edge of the guard hole. Uh, and I, I feel like Hutchinson got most most of his pressures that way. Um, so I thought the, tailors, the the tackles did a decent job, or a pretty good job, I would say. Uh, I did run a poll asking people on Twitter. Uh, 56% people thought they played solid. 22% okay. 17% very good. Um, so most people landed on solid in that first game. Did you have any thoughts on the offensive line or how they might hold up against these
1: two bookends from the Jacks? Um, I mean, overall, no, I don't have thoughts on the offensive line cause I don't know how to do it. Good um, shit. Good shit. I, I, kind of like that. Jawan Taylor has suddenly become the poster child for something that apparently offensive linemen have been doing for a long time. And, uh, whatever. I I hey revenge game for Juwan Taylor. I don't know really what revenge he needs to get on Jacksonville or the state of Florida, which apparently he'd like never really stepped foot outside of except for, you know, occasional road games. So he'd only played for teams in Florida, grew up in Florida, went to Florida, and then get drafted by the Jags. A Florida um, man. So yeah, I mean he's a Florida man. Um uh, returning returning home. Going to take them to all the best restaurants in Jacksonville. I think they still have a TGI Fridays down there. Oh, Um, I I don't know how worried I would be about the pass rush in Jacksonville like over the course of four quarters, Uh, mostly because Anthony Richardson, I would imagine, was holding the ball longer than Patrick Mahomes typically does. But if the receivers for some reason aren't getting open, it could be a challenge. Could be a challenge. I don't want to give Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker time. Uh to top ten picks in the NFL draft. You give them more time, yeah, they'll make you pay.
0: Well, clearly if Mahomes just throws it in under three seconds, we win. Um so I don't think there's I mean, that's that's the game plan going forward,
1: obviously. You're welcome, Andrew Reed. Yeah, you didn't know. actually clarify that like where he needed to throw it or nothing else catching. Matters just has to get the ball out of his hand in under three seconds and good things happen. Are you, yeah. Are you going to deny facts? I mean, these these are the facts. I mean, what do you want me to say? Um,
0: but yeah, I mean, just, just a fun game. Um, I, say we go. Oh, and two,
1: what would your worry level be? You freaking out? I mean, probably still no. Um, she's got to have, have some good excuses. Um, but, uh, look, I'll, I'll say this. Um, a question that you had that um got scrapped was basically like, you know, what would it take for you to not be confident entering the playoffs? And I had been thinking about this kind of nonstop since you posed it as potentially like one of the ten for the year. And I'll say this if the Chiefs kind of limp into the playoffs as a wild card team, not winning the division for the first time in seven or eight years, um, I'm not be able, I might be able to say something like, well, they were due to not win it, so to speak. Um, but it would be mostly about never seeing the offense get going. That's, I think where it would lead me to not be confident entering the playoffs. So, if they go zero two, I'm probably still going to be singing the same song next week that we are this week. Like they're trying to figure out this receiver room, you know. Yeah, maybe they miss Kelsey again this week. Chris Jones isn't at full strength, you know. Kadarius Tony missed all the training camp. Like, oh, there's all these different kind of uh, excuses. excuses, excuses, and uh,
0: you, you know, I'll, I'll lean into those. And well, and we got the fallback of of playing the Bears in week three and the Jets in week four. Uh, Jets, Sands, Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Uh, maybe Chad Henney will be in place at that time. Maybe Chase Daniel. Maybe Tom
1: Brady. Hey, maybe whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe Mike Glennon. Do not oh, suggest current KCSN host and MC, Chase Daniel. He's I not up to he draft, you. he's under contract with KCSN.
0: He's holding in. He is Ooh. sitting in BJ's office right now, doing nothing, with two greasy brothers sitting sitting next to his side, flanked to his sides. And he's holding in. He's holding in for that starting quarterback jump. Uh, but yeah, I think he got two relatively easy games after that. So I don't think there'd be too much reason to panic. Um, but it would be interesting. And we would be looking at kind of a 21-21 season here where we're, you know, kind of fighting for our playoff lives, uh, where you know, that hasn't been the case for the rest of the Mahomes era. Uh, and it's just kind of, you know, we, we spent so much time talking, this is a January team, it's getting ready for January, whereas then you'd have to go into a bit of survival mode and just to make sure that you get to January. Uh, so it kind of changes the equation of the season a little bit, um, but it'll be very interesting to watch. I'm very excited for the game. I think it might be the two best teams in the AFC, especially after what we saw around the AFC in week one. Um, so I am very, very excited for this game to see how the Chiefs respond to a loss.
1: Yeah. Hi, too. I think it's probably, I think, I, I think it's the best game of the weekend. Um, and game day, game day's going there is what I heard. And, and man, I mean, it's in a neuter, a little, little 10 a.m. for my oh. West Coast wingman. Uh early early rise for Chiefs Jags on Sunday. Uh very much looking forward to the Andy reid Doug Peterson uh matchup, reunion, whatever you want to call it. Um and hopefully Andy is dominant against his former
0: assistants, correct? Isn't that a thing?
1: Yes. It's a thing. It's a thing. Um but yeah, man. I mean, hopefully the Chiefs are at full strength and we get a game. Uh I don't I, I wouldn't mind another you know, kind of low scoring affair, if you will, um, reminiscent of that Thursday night game. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But I'm excited uh, for Chiefs Jags on Sunday. And folks, we're going to wrap it up. Our first ever live episode of Amateur Hour. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for all the questions from everybody. Um, I'm I'm
0: glad we could answer all of them. I don't know how to find them quite yet. They're, I'm sure they're around here somewhere, but... Thank you for asking. Uh, we will be answering them at some point.
1: Absolutely. Uh, well, folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his dirtness, And if you check the tape, it's true. Justin Herber is Philip Rivers. He's the man. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts.